This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. Once again today, we have to return to the issue of road safety. Toronto police have issued a safety alert following a string of collisions around the city yesterday and today that sent a number of people to hospital. The incidents included a collision between a double-decker bus and a car in Cabbage Town, and that sent the bus driver to hospital with serious injuries. In Forest Hill North, a man in his 70s was seriously injured after a collision last night, and at about the same time, a pedestrian was hit at Ellesmere near Kennedy and a cyclist was struck and seriously injured in the Millican area of Scarborough. Now, police say the rainy conditions were partly to blame, but here's the thing. The season is finally changing and we have to be ready for it. Now, people, this happens four times a year in Canada. So uh, why do we have to experience these collisions before uh, it kind of registered? Uh, I'd like to hear from you. like to hear about your experiences. I can tell you when I was out on the road yesterday, I saw some things that uh, did not sit well. Let's put it that way. The numbers to call, 416-360-0740, toll-free, 866 744-740. And right now I am with Constable Clint Stibby of Toronto Police Service Traffic Services. Hi, Clint. How are you? Good, Libby. How are you? I'm fine. So uh, what do you make of these collisions? I think the number yesterday was, was 30 in the afternoon. I'm not sure what the number is today. Well, I just want to actually look at a bigger scope than just one day. <clears throat> when we look at our uh, collision statistics, and we'll use last year as an example, we saw 70,000 collisions in the city of Toronto. That included everything, whether it was a minor fender bender all the way up to a fatal collision. That means we average about 190-ish uh, collisions on a daily basis uh, of varying types. When you look at the number of 30, that actually is below our average number. Right. However, this year so far, we are about 5% higher in the number of collisions than we were at this point last year. So one of the things I was talking uh, earlier about today, and I gave a bit of a wrong number, and I just want to correct it. The, uh, initially, the number of collisions that we saw as a result of a failed or remain collision were um, 8,829 and that was if 20 uh, would be 16. For 2017, we've seen 9,240. Originally, I said 9,500, and that was an error on my part. Okay. The point being, the failed remain collisions are up about 5%, and collisions overall are up about 5%. So when we look at it, 30 collisions are still not good. That doesn't justify that we've had them. What we've had is 30 collisions that should never happen, because the reality is somebody has made a mistake. And that mistake is whether made by the driver, the pedestrian, or the cyclist. But the end result is the ones that are getting hurt are the cyclists and pedestrians. They're usually the ones that are ending up in hospital or, in some cases, even dead. Um, yeah, so uh, so it's a big number. To what do you attribute a 5% increase? I mean, it is pretty big. 
Well, the obviously our traffic is becoming busier and busier every year. We're actually seeing, in cases when I was younger, you'd never see a traffic jam westbound out of the city. It was always eastbound. Well, now you're beginning to see rush hour lasting longer. You're seeing more and more people coming into the downtown core from uh, further up. One of the reasons being cost of living is cheaper to live further out and then commute in than it is to, say, buy that single detached house in Toronto. So what's happening is a lot of our workers are coming in from out of town, some going the other way that already live downtown are heading out. But the end result is we're seeing more and more traffic on the road, and that doesn't mean just vehicles. We're seeing more and more cyclists, more and more pedestrians, unfortunately, more and more mistakes, which are leading to these collisions. How much would you attribute to construction? Every day when I go out, there's some kind of new construction, some kind of new obstacle. Um, Some of them, I have to say, are pretty annoying. You know, one main street down to a lane, and they're not even doing anything there. They're just piling up, you know, stuff, bricks. Uh, It's interesting you say that, you know, uh, can you blame it on the construction aspect and whatnot? Quite often when there's construction involved, your speeds are extremely slow because it's bottlenecked and limited traffic movement. So we don't generally see collisions or uh, anything serious anyway inside a construction zone. Can it happen? Yes, it has in the past. But in, mo- in uh, most cases, that doesn't uh, actually occur. It's actually very, very rare, especially in a construction zone. The reality is we're looking at uh, could be, for instance, for us, a hot spot is uh, people that are in the downtown core during uh, the rush hours in the morning and the afternoons, we see a tremendous number of collisions, and most of them uh, pedestrian-involved uh, downtown. You don't often see that pedestrian-type collision out in the outskirts, like, say, the Scarboroughs or the Etobicoes, because the density is not there. We do still have them. And, and of course, we saw some last week that were just horrific. Oh, absolutely, and, and that's what I'm saying. Unfortunately, we do still see them. Because, again, a mistake was made, but the vast majority of uh, the collisions that we see in downtown core involve uh, a younger age, anywhere between the early 20s up to about the mid-40s, early 50s. And that's because of the, the concentration of the pedestrians downtown, people taking shortcuts between cars or stepping off of uh, buses and then crossing the roadway, whatever the case may be. So we do see those a lot, but we very rarely see a serious one downtown. Oh, so- and in fact... Sorry, I was going to say, so what, from what you're saying, um, you know, I, I know that um, we talk about pedestrian safety a lot, but, but what you're saying is that some of these, the pedestrian might be at fault for uh, taking, uh, trying to, to take a shortcut and taking a chance. Well, uh, we have to be careful about the word fault, and that's something we're actually trying to change. We look at who is most responsible, and quite often it's not just one person making a mistake Usually there's a mistake on both sides of some degree, uh, whether it's the person that maybe slowed but didn't stop to the stop sign or somebody that stepped out from behind the car. I mean, we had a woman that was uh, seriously injured. She stepped out from in front of a bus and was hit by a car that was going past the bus. So, I mean, a decision decision made to maybe take that shortcut because uh, you want to get across the road faster or whether maybe it's too cold or whatever. But somebody assesses a level of risk and decides that they want to take it. But that goes for everybody, not just the pedestrians. And, but the reality is, the end result is, the pedestrian and the cyclist are the ones that get the brunt of it. Well, of Most course. often when you're in a car, you don't get injured if you strike a pedestrian. You don't get injured if you strike a cyclist. So any way you cut it, really in the end, the driver of the motor vehicle has the safety of the cyclists and pedestrians in their hands. And that's why, especially moving around a several thousand pound piece of machinery... You need to do it safely. I, I absolutely agree. I have to say, the one thing, though, I've started to see something new 
uh, with cyclists and a lot of cyclists uh, going down one-way streets the wrong way. <laughs> have there you are, noticed there that? Are, there are. I have seen it, especially in Kensington Market. So, yes, do we see uh, some contravention of uh, traffic laws on behalf of the cyclists? Yes, we do. But you know what? I can say the same thing about the cars and uh, the drivers of the cars and the pedestrians as well. We're seeing contraventions from everybody. And when you look at it, if we take in totality the number of fatalities we've had so far this year versus the number of collisions we expect to see, which is around the 70,000 uh, mark, the number of fatalities in the city equal about less than one one-half of a percent for the total number of collisions that we see on city streets. So in other words, most of the time, you're not going to res- uh, end up in a situation where you're killed. However, there, those situations are the ones that are being brought to the forefront because they are so devastating to the community. So we need to keep in mind, we have a responsibility to play in our own safety and by being aware of what's happening around us. And if you're a driver, you're rolling up to that intersection, you're looking at oncoming traffic because obviously that oncoming traffic is a threat for you. Make sure you take a second look before you accelerate because quite often you're facing a red light trying to join traffic on a, on a green and, oh, there's my gap and you hit the gas. Next thing you know, you're striking the pedestrian because you haven't taken that extra look. Yeah. Why? Because we're a bit impatient and honestly, we haven't done anything to make ourselves better drivers since we first got our license. And some of us have developed some really bad habits. Uh, before we uh, hit the phones, uh, just a, a word about the change of seasons. What should we be doing to recognize that this is happening? Well, we always do see a rise in pedestrian-involved uh, collisions starting at the middle part of September and uh, dropping about the mid part of December. And what that basically has to do with is the fall season involves rain, uh, darkness, uh, meaning shorter days. And unfortunately, uh, at the same time, that's only a contributing factor. We, you, you mentioned in your intro that, you know, police are blaming the, the weather. That's not the case. It's a contributing factor. Okay, but yeah. Somebody made a mistake. And we can't just pass the blame off to weather conditions. You know what? Weather changes, you should be ready for it. You should be able to make an adjustment for it. But the reality is a lot of individuals cannot adjust their driving for sudden change in weather condition. And this is unfortunately what's leading to these types of incidents. What what do you mean cannot? People uh, will not or cannot? Cannot. They cannot. So I'll give you an example. We had a road closure. The person says, I have to go that way. It's like, yeah, okay, the road's going to close for four hours. I'll wait. We'll just get on the highway and go to the next interchange. I'm not going to. I can't. What do you mean you can't? Here's a perfect example where the person has an option. They refuse to exercise it because it's not their regular course of business. They're not their regular uh, habit, if you will. And they can't adapt. A lot of people, they'll sit in traffic for two hours and never get off the expressway. Other people will get off the expressway and adapt to the road conditions because they realize, you know what, I need to get off because of a crash or whatever. So you have different types of segments of the population that drive differently, some more adaptable than others. But the reality is we all have a bunch of bad habits. And those habits and mistakes are what are costing lives. Okay, let's take a call from Barry in Thornhill. Hi, Barry. Hello. Uh, Look, I drive around all day delivering flowers. Uh, First of all, to begin with, I blame the city because of the traffic lights. They're not uh, not, uh, set right. Every single red light or every single set of traffic lights should be uh, left-hand turn in both directions, and they're not. Half the time, I'm in line, 15 cars in line, 
And where's the and who gets the left hand turn signal? The people going the opposite way. People are frustrated. They can't move. Too much construction. The lights aren't connect, aren't uh, set right. People walk out in between uh, from all over. This morning, everybody's in a rush. I'm standing, and we're going to make a left hand, rather a right hand turn, and it's a red light, and there's people walking across the crosswalk, and people are honking behind me to turn. I mean, it's ridiculous. I, I uh, certainly uh, understand your frustration, Barry. Uh, Clint, do you have anything to say to that? Well, what we need to keep in mind is infrastructure, uh, especially the way the city was designed, was just already designed 60, 70 years ago. The visions of what, the future that we have now are some visions that were never thought of in the past. And as a result, our roads have been made a certain way, our curves have been made a certain way. And that was, at the time, what was the most feasible. The reality is our environment has changed. Our commuting styles have changed, meaning more cycling, more pedestrians. And the reality is it's going to take a lot of time and a lot of money to adjust our uh, infrastructure to adapt to the new way of living in the city. And the reality is we have to work within what we have. And we, as a city, are trying to make adjustments where possible to make that commute a safe one. But the reality is no matter how much infrastructure you have, no matter how many rules you have in place, people will break them. Maybe not all, maybe not even intentionally, but it will happen. And when that occurs, that's when people are injured. And what we need to keep in mind is when you look at a, uh, a crossing road, for instance, there's no law against you crossing that block. It's a risk you take. But at the same time, there's an expectation that the driver will do whatever is possible to avoid a collision should they be put in a position where they might actually strike you. But in some cases, the answer is, well, put a crosswalk there. Well, okay, now we have to look at the road characteristics. What's it look like? How wide is it? What are, where are the nearest traffic signals? Well, why can't you walk 50 meters further east to the traffic signal? And what happens is we tend to take the least resistance path or the quickest path to our final destination. And unfortunately, sometimes those shortcuts are bypassing infrastructures that we have in place. And unfortunately, those shortcuts are putting you at risk, and in some cases, unfortunately, killing you. Okay, let's hear from uh, Louis here in Toronto. Hi, Louis. Hi, how are you? Fine, how are you? Good, thank you. Okay, uh, I was talking to my insurance man about this uh, a few days ago, and uh, like a lot of people are having accidents for some reason or another, and uh, he actually took quite a few of them into his office and spoke to them personally about what was going on. And he says to me that uh, most of these people, we, the drivers ourselves, citizens, uh, we have too many problems in life where we're really not thinking of driving. When we drive, we're thinking of our mortgages and all these problems in the world. And that was the main reason he was telling me. That's uh, distracted. That sounds like distracted driving. That sounds uh, about right. Yeah, Clint? He, he said uh, it, it's not like, how can I put it? He, he was sort of mild about this, and I, I don't want to say it rudely on radio, but... He was saying, like, most of us in Canada, the old-timers, like, we work every day. We have families and we have mortgages and everything else. And he's saying a lot of others don't really have much to do in life, and they're the ones that aren't causing accidents because there's nothing really to worry about. Okay, Louis, thanks for that. Uh, I would would say I have a bit of an issue with that. The reality is when we look at why collisions occur, the collisions occur because a mistake is made by an individual, whether it's uh, them looking one direction, not the other, uh, possibly distracted, or, you know, maybe they're on their cell phone, maybe they're impaired. To say that one specific group um, 
as was worded, somebody that doesn't have anything to do is less likely to be involved in the collision. I wouldn't say that there's any scientific basis for that. Yeah, I would. Um, I would agree with you, uh, Clint. I mean, you know, people can be distracted. Uh, yeah, I mean, people distracted. If you're distracted, it doesn't matter why. Uh, that's gonna, you know, that's gonna translate in the in road safety. Absolutely, but we need to keep in mind it. Again, uh, if you've been driving for, well, in my case, uh, I'm thinking 30 years, basically, the. Uh, you know, I took a, a driving course when I first got on the uh, got out onto the road. You know, okay, stop here, count for three seconds, so on and so forth. Well, my retraining has now been as a result of the police service. We go for training for pursuit driving, for uh, highway enforcement, whatever the case may be. And the reality is, I'm going to those types of courses to make myself a better officer, a better vehicle operator. How to scan, how to look for uh, threats, uh, meaning a person that may be stepping onto the road, scan under cars, like all kinds of safety um, suggestions, and that we are trying to adopt in our operation of our motor vehicles. But yet, we still have individuals on this job that have been involved in collisions. And unfortunately, because a mistake was made, so we analyze each and every collision when it comes to the service. And individuals that need to have retraining done because of a mistake that they made, that's exactly what happens. But in the general public, you do not see that. You see a person gets into a collision today, they hop in a car tomorrow, and they may make that same mistake every day for the rest of their life and never be involved in a collision. Okay, so am I hearing you then say that, um, that that we should make people take retraining? It's interesting that you say make people. Um, people have a choice. Require. Should we require people <laughs> to people take? Have a, people have a choice if they want to make themselves better drivers. Usually when it comes to a company that uh, some, in some cases, a, let's say a logistics company or something, that they'll have their drivers do that because they get bonuses of lower insurance rates. But let's call it what it is. Nobody wants to spend the money on driving courses, the time on the driving courses, because they've already got their license. They don't need to do it. The reality is... We've developed bad habits, and in order to break those habits, sometimes it's through enforcement. You know, a person gets a ticket, uh, maybe uh, is punished as a result of their actions, whether it's impaired driving, uh, collision, uh, speeding, whatever, seatbelt, distracted driving. could be any number of different things. But the reality is we've all assessed a level of risk we're willing to take. If you want to make yourself better, um, perfect example is motorcycle riders. They train to give themselves that space, the, the escapers and everything. doesn't mean they'll continue to do it. They're trained that way but we tend to get a bit lazy. And no matter all the training you're given, if you're not, I guess you could say, fully invested in it, or you become complacent in your safety, that's when mistakes start to occur. And I think we as drivers have become very complacent in our operation of a motor vehicle, and that complacency is leading to death. Okay, Clint, uh, thanks very much for that. All right, thank you. Bye-bye. Now, everybody hang on because we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the bicycle aspect of this. Yesterday, we learned that those bike lanes are very likely to become permanent. So I want to know, do people feel safer with bike lanes? Um, Let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back with your calls and comments back after this. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.